Dead Stripper, Chapter 10. Scene 30. Jess is squeezing a lime over a large bowl of guacamole. The lime's cut in half, and she's squeezing by hand. She sets the lime on a cutting board, then starts mixing the guacamole with a large wooden spoon. She stops staring after 20 seconds and licks the spoon. Not bad. She picks up the lime and squeezes out the last few drops, then some more mixing and another taste. Just right. She sets the lime on the cutting board, then she turns on the faucet, rinses the wooden spoon, and sets it on the drain board. She wipes her hands, picks up the bowl of guacamole, and carries it into the living room. Bon Jovi's It's My Life is playing at a volume set low enough to support normal conversation. Jess places the guacamole on the coffee table next to a platter of buffalo wings and in between bowls of nacho chips and potato chips. Artichoke dip and a platter of bread tidbits sit next to a large bowl of homemade sausage. Shredded chicken's almost ready, she announces. The party's small in number. Jess's boyfriend Pablo and two couples. Ginger and Gary are married. Diane and Jim live together. All are dressed casually in jeans and sweaters, except for Jess. She's all in black and looks sexy in an off-the-shoulder mesh top, skin-tight slacks, and spiked heels. The doorbell rings. I got it. Jess starts walking toward the door. Margot and I are holding hands when the door opens. This is Steve. Margot pretends to introduce me. The man I've been telling you about. Pleased to meet you, Steve, Jess says. Likewise, I smile. Margot gives me a quick kiss on the lips. I just put the food out, Jess says. Come in. We enter. You know everybody here, Jess tells Margot, then shuts the door. Go in and introduce Steve. I've got one more dish in the oven. Scene 31. Ten minutes later. Who let the dogs out starts playing. I'm sitting at the dining room table with Gary, Jim, and Jess's boyfriend, Pablo. We're sampling everything, drinking beer, and talking in between bites. What do you do, Gary asks me. Drive for Uber, for now. And later, Pablo asks, what's that? You said you drive for Uber, Pablo says, for now. What happens later? Oh, that, I say, my dream's being a mystery writer. No shit, Gary says, that sounds cool. Not so cool right now, I say. I'm still referred to as unpublished. Still trying to break my cherry. But it's a bitch. Hang in there, Pablo says. Anything worth doing comes with a price. So I hear, I say. By the way, what do you do? Own my own company, Pablo says. A startup. Making progress, slow but sure. So I can relate to your growing pains. What kind of company, I ask. Software development, Pablo replies. What kind of software, I ask. You ask a lot of questions, Pablo says. Comes with the territory. That's what writers do. That's how you learn shit. If it bothers you, I'll stop. No, Pablo says, I get it. It's like this. I design proprietary software using artificial intelligence to collect and codify data. Sounds impressive, I say. What kind of data? Whatever my client needs, Pablo says. Careful, Gary warns me. Show too much interest and I'll talk you into investing in his company. Is that right, I said. Jim and I are already investors, Gary says. Scene 32. At the same time in the living room, Diane and Ginger are sitting on the sofa. Margot and Jess are sitting in armchairs at opposite ends of the sofa. The chairs are turned to face the sofa to create a conversation area. How did you two meet? Diane asked Margot. I called for an Uber one night, she answers, and Steve showed up. 
you could say one thing just led to another. So he's an Uber driver. Jess plays along. Interesting. For now, Margot smiles. But he's not just an Uber driver. He wants to be a writer. What kind of writer, Ginger asked. Mystery stories, Margot says. I like mystery stories, Diane says. How old is he? He'll be 34 on his next birthday. And good-looking, Diane says, if you ask me. I think so. Margot smiles at Jess. What do you think, Jess? Too bad you saw him first, Jess says. Scene 33. I take the last swallow from my bottle of butt. Jess calls out, Steve, there's more beer in the refrigerator. Just help yourself. Thanks, don't mind if I do. I get up, start walking with the empty, and quickly reach the kitchen. Back in the living room, Jess stands up. I better show him where it is. He can probably find the refrigerator on his own, Margot says. I'm sure he can, Jess replies, but we recycle. I want to make sure the empty goes where it belongs. Scene 34. I'm opening the refrigerator door, then suddenly feel two hands gripping the sides of my thighs from behind. I turn and find myself looking into Jess's eyes. I want you so bad, she whispers, then starts kissing me. I enjoy the affection for a good two seconds, then pull back suddenly. What about... We're safe, she whispers. They're all busy out there. Hope you're right. It drove me crazy, she says, when I saw you two holding hands. Then comes another quick kiss. Even worse when I saw Margot kiss you. Jess kisses me again. On the one hand, I'm enjoying this. But on the other hand, I'm keeping one eye open, staring at the doorway, and hoping nobody walks in on it. I never did anything like this before, she says. Another quick kiss. And the risk of getting caught is really turning me on. I'd like to do you right here on the floor, right now. Scene 34, at the same time in the living room. Anybody want a refill? Margot asks. You flying, Diane asks. That I am. Margot stands up. What do you drink? Yellowtail. Diane hands her the empty glass. Ginger? Margot asks. No thanks, I'm good for now. Margot pivots, then heads toward the kitchen, carrying the two empty wine glasses. I'm rounding the corner on my way out of the kitchen and come face to face with Margot. Wow, almost a head-on collision. Close enough for this, Margot kisses me on the lips. Not a long kiss, not a short kiss, but a kiss with a loud smacking of lips. Did Jess teach you how to recycle? Of course I did. Jess's voice comes from behind me. That's why I put your empty in the blue bucket under the sink. I wasn't really paying attention. I give Margot a peck on the cheek and head back to where the guys are hanging out. Margot continues into the kitchen. Jess follows her. She catches up, steps right in front of her, and glares into her eyes. What's your game? What are you talking about? All the kissing, Jess says. I feel like wringing your fucking neck. We're just acting like boyfriend and girlfriend, just like you asked us to. What's your problem? Make sure it's just acting, Jess says. No more kissing. Get over it. Your idea, not mine, remember? I'm just going with the flow. Whatever, Jess says. And speaking about acting, Margot sets the two empty wine glasses on the counter. How about acting like a hostess? Two yellowtails, please. You know where it is. Jess gives Margot a dirty look, then brushes past her on her way out of the kitchen. Margot refills both glasses. And moments later, Margot's back in the living room, handing one of the glasses to Diane. Thank you, Diane says. Anytime. Margot sips her wine and raises her voice. Jess, did you put an application in on that new place in Ardmore? What new place, Jess asks. A new French place. I think it's called Enchante.
So that's the end of chapter 10. Sorry, I let you down on that shave, I promise. I'll get it next time. Uh, and next time, we'll do chapter 11.